never know where you're going if you don't look back. Hold it tight like a fist for it fades to black. You got a relic, best to keep it true. A ticket to the past, it can bring you to. You got a relic, it comes far and few. Remember what you do, it comes back on you. What's good, people? This is the Relic Podcast. I'm Chad Snow, and thank you for listening. So I'm going back like, I'm not very good with math, but I'm going to say like almost 40 years, 39 years, 40 years, something like that. And I'm going back to the YMCA. I was in fourth grade, and I was going to Simmons Elementary School, so shout out to Simmons. And it was our first year playing organized basketball. So we were playing in this small, and those of you guys listening to this that know what I'm talking about, you can feel this with me. It was in this small, the small gym or the new gym, they called it, but it was like the small gym. And they had the hoops lowered down to, I think it was like eight feet for us little fourth graders. And this is our first uh, organized basketball experience. So we're actually playing other teams within the district. And if you're anything like me, you, when you grow up, your neighborhood is like all you know. And so in your little radius of five, six blocks or whatever it happens to be in your little school area, if you happen to be good at basketball or good at any sport, you feel like you're the best in the whole city because you don't know anybody else. You're your only competition along with a couple other kids maybe. And so now it's time to play other schools. And so we go into this gym. And there's this team wearing orange, this ugly orange, these ugly orange t-shirts. Not that ours are pretty, but ours are green. And they're wearing these orange t-shirts. And I saw this kid. And we all pulled our socks up to our knees back in the day and had the short shorts. And I just saw this one kid and he was like just dominating. I'm like, oh, so there's a player that might be, might be as good as I am. Probably not, but he might be. But I just kept watching him, and he was good. And he took these long strides into his layup, and he, he just, I could just tell he was good. And I didn't like him. I didn't even know the guy, but I knew I didn't like him because he's now my competition. I now realize I might not be the best but I'm sure going to be trying. And so, yeah, I didn't like this guy for nothing. And I didn't like him in fifth grade. And we played the same team, except I moved to a different school by this time. I was at C.C. Lee. But we still had to play this school, Howard Hedger. And he was good. And I didn't like him. And I didn't like him in sixth grade either. And this is back in the day. We didn't have social media. We didn't have like anything to connect ourselves with anybody except our neighborhood, like I said, and the kids we went to school with. So if you were on a competing team, we didn't like you, period. And then we go on to junior high, and this is where all the schools from the north side of the town where I was at now, we all merged and went to junior high together. And so now I'm not, we're not competing against each other. We are actually going to be teammates now. And that, this was a transition where, oh, now i got to be friends with these guys? Forget about it. I don't want to be friends with any of these guys. 
you spent three years of your life at the time competing and in basketball and flag football and baseball and all the sports. So you just developed a hatred. Well, it didn't take long going into my seventh grade year where me and my arch nemesis became close. We were like, realized, hey, we got a lot in common here. And so here we are 40 years later. And I got my arch nemesis on the other line, Eric Klein, who I, and maybe probably a lot of other people that are in my wheelhouse, and he wouldn't say it, he wouldn't admit it himself, but I consider him the goat of South Dakota basketball. And I also consider him a friend and a brother and someone that has been by my side through thick and thin for going on 40 years now. I'm assuming, I can't, I might be wrong with the math. It might be a little shorter than that, but close to that. And this is the 40th uh, episode of the Relic Podcast, so I think it's only fair to have my man Eric Klein, the GOAT, on episode 40. So I'm going to unmute him. And like I've done before, we don't have anything scripted. We're just going to start talking. And Eric, when I, when I unmute you, go ahead and tell me what you remember about those moments and those memories going back in fourth grade. You're on, my man. Good to see you. Good to see you, Chad, my friend, <laughs> my friend. And so thankful to have reconnected with you and... Man, Cammie and I got to spend a couple of weeks with you and Kenyatta in Hawaii over Christmas, and that was a highlight, just to be able to see you face-to-face and to be able to spend time with you on this journey. It has been just, just great. And I've been able to listen to all your podcasts, as I've told you before, mm-hmm. Saturday mornings, I can get up and spend some quiet time and tune in, and it's been so encouraging to just reflect on the life's lessons and how practical they are and how they teach and remind us what life is really all about. And even the most recent one on saying no and reflecting on your life and saying, what are the areas in your life that you need to just say, Hey, wait a minute. Um, I need to, I need to watch my portion controls or whatever it might be. Right. Uh, Anyway, I'm just, just so thankful for you sharing your life, sharing your story, and for all of us vicariously just enjoying, you know, remembering. And you were talking about the basketball days and thinking about our humanness and the desire for competition and what it looks like to feel those feelings of, you know, when you're saying, I didn't like that person, I, I, I can relate to that because it's like, no one is going to be better than me. And Mm -hmm. you and I had that passion inside of us to say, we want to be the best. And what does that look like? And then all of a sudden you're having this competition and you have someone that can play as good as you and call your number. And it makes you insecure and it makes you realize your humanness and you start to feel those emotions of jealousy, um, mm. insecurity, competition. And so many times we we're going through life kind of like putting these masks on saying, well, I'm not that way, or I don't feel that way. It's like, oh yeah, you know, you've said it many times, we're all the same and we're all working at 
unpacking our life. And yet it's interesting because you can keep each other at a distance and, and like, well, let's see how this all plays out. A couple years go by elementary school basketball and we have this drivenness inside of us to be good. And we'd be in the gym practicing and never really connecting that much. You know, we just, you were doing your thing. I was doing my thing. And all of a sudden, yeah, our teams merge. And it's like, now how is this going to work? And I remember consciously thinking about, this is my friend. And I, I can remember being this junior high kid saying, what am I going to choose? You know, it's like, and I, I can see myself thinking it now. Back then, I don't know what the thought process was, but as I'm reflecting back, I can see this crossroads, literally standing at a crossroads. And it's like, am I going to choose to keep being jealous and fearful and insecure, or am I going to make a friend? And Lord knows I needed a friend. Well, let me I stop. Mean, let me stop you here too. Cause that, that's huge. Number one, cause, and I'll take people back a little bit too, when I'm talking about the, when we're in, you know, at grade school, we'd go to the YMCA to practice. And you and I, and I can say this as a fact, there weren't many of us that spent as much time at the Y as you and I did. And even when we were in elementary school, we, we were in the same gym, but we didn't communicate. You would be on right. your end of the court, I'd be on my end of the court. And we, I don't even know if we even said hi to each other. It was like that. It was seriously yeah. like a, a heated, like, I didn't like this guy. I don't want to be his rivalry. friend. Yes, big time. And uh, I, I remember many nights at that YMCA and wondering, man, what's that? What? And I knew you were better than me. That's the thing. So I hear you saying you were jealous of me. You were better than me, period. I mean, that's, that, that, I knew that. And I had to swallow that. That was hard. That was a hard pill to swallow for me. Even no, and then going into junior high when we had to merge, that's kind of where I inter, in a, interrupted you. I knew you were better than me, but it still made me want to like, uh, he's not that much better, but he's better. So I'm going to keep working at it. But then that's when we came together. So go ahead. I kind of interrupted you, but I want to give people that picture of how the, there, there was like a bitter rivalry going on. Definitely. And, and you can really see the insecurities of of a junior high kid and you know late elementary junior high and what that looks like to really grapple with life to grapple with who you are as a person and and really to to begin to take a risk and for me risking a friendship you know risking getting to know someone that you are somewhat intimidated by and like and and yet for me looking back it was the greatest risk i ever took because we developed a friendship and a and and it was a security for us you know both of us growing up with fathers who struggled with addiction and really and i think that elevated our own insecurities mm -hmm. knowing that we had each other just was a comfort for me. It, it, it created a, um, I'm okay. I, I'm not alone in this journey of life. And, and, you know, playing Tecmo football and eating your mom's food and, and the times where we would 
we became very intentional once we became friends, very intentional about helping each other um, get better. And I have just such fond memories of waking up in the early mornings and grabbing my cup of coffee and picking you up in my 1972 Vega and going to the Y. And mm -hmm. we would work out. We didn't just go there and bum around and shoot hook shots. I mean, we were we we had an intentional regime of weight training and exercise and 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 basketball playing and and it made us who we 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 are and and I just couldn't be more thankful. Well, I t I think about that too like uh and that goes back to even 7th grade before like even you could drive. We were riding our bikes to the Y just to get our workouts yeah. in and we had a regimen and we had a routine and we had this this, I don't know what you call it. It was just a drive to, and there, there, don't get me wrong. I still, I still was competing against you, even though we were together at this time, I still was like, if I, there's always going to be someone working, working as hard or harder than me. And that was you. And then we just happened to be best friends. And then you fast forward to, uh, to late late junior high where we're freshmen or even eighth grader because that's when I got hurt I like hurt my knee we both got moved up to play on the freshman team or no the yeah 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 that was right we were eighth graders and we got moved up to play with the ninth graders and then I, I got hurt and then you continue to play and you continue to dominate and then now all of a sudden you're on the radar of you know the high school and then that's when they moved you up to varsity as a freshman. And I was coming back as a freshman. I got moved up to the sophomore team. So we're still both competing now at a different level than our, even our peers at the time. But you took another step. And that's, that's when it like, that's when it was like, okay, this guy. Yeah. There, there was, there, that's when the separation happened was freshman year. And then you go on and win your little state championship with the team. I mean, it wasn't you. It was a team. But that was uh, – that was when the Eric Klein era took off. Take us through that a little bit, that whole freshman year thing when you're playing on the varsity as a freshman never happened before in Aberdeen, South Dakota history. And Aberdeen's a basketball town, we all know. So what's going through your head then? You know, I, it was you're, you're absolutely right when we talk about before even driving, riding our bikes to the Y. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, and to an empty gym. Mm -hmm. when it's no air conditioning and you're just, and you stay there all day. Mm -hmm. And, and it was, I often think about what that was doing to our, our soul, you know, mm -hmm. and, and how it helped create in us character to keep going when things are hard. And, and this transition to high school sports was, interesting because we would do our workouts and there were times where I would after the workout I would go over to the civic arena stand in the balcony and look down on the floor and just so happened one night the Rapid City Stevens was playing mm -hmm. and there was this guy named Eric Piatkowski who was playing as a freshman and I'm like if he could do it I can do it and it was just like back to the gym and just keep working at it and and I was able to do that as a freshman, play on the varsity team and contribute. And, and that year we did win that state championship. And it was interesting because at that time, my dad was considering a move 
and we had planned to move to Oklahoma. He I remember that. Worked for Super 8 Motels, and the company was going to move him down there to keep selling these franchises. And we we were going. I mean, after that freshman year, the plan was to head off to Oklahoma. And in the kind of the last minutes, things changed, and we ended up sticking around and staying in Aberdeen. For which I'm thankful because we continued our friendship and, you know, conversations. I think about teenage boys who <laughs> need somebody to talk to and whether it's after our workout sitting in the whirlpool or going out to Wiley Park and going down the water slides and just spending time together, navigating through life as a teenager. And, you know, you think about the things in your life when you look back and say, that's an anchor point. That's like, if, if that wouldn't have been in my life at that time, I don't even want to know where the path would have, would have mm -hmm. taken me. And you're one of those people that I feel God brought into my life to be able to help, you know, together, you and I grow up and and we're still growing up. We still have a lot of learning to do. We're always learning. Amen. But it, it it created a it created a sense of of security in in this junior high life of being insecure. It helped us have some security with our lives. Basketball was a security for us. Our friendship was a security for us. Knowing that we could count on each other was a security for us. And I'm forever grateful because it it really helped us even in our adult. And it's still helping us in mm -hmm. our adult life. Well, I remember too, and you brought it up a little bit earlier when we were talking about, you know, being in grade school and we first started becoming actual friends. You know, I had a broken home, didn't have a dad in my life and, you know, the, that whole thing and people coming and going out of my life created a, it was hard for me to get close to people. You know, friends yeah. is one thing, but then when you actually become friend, friend, friends, that kind of real friends that's a risk you have to take. And with you that you're probably with my age, my first like real, real close friend. And you're also my competitor. And then we both, and you were in this kind of same boat. Like you had, you didn't have a broken home, but for all intents and purposes, it was broken because of the addiction and the, you're not sure who's coming and going, if he's going to be here, if he's not going to be here. And that's what addiction will do to you. So we had basketball and we both used it kind of in the same way. And we also used the Y going to the YMCA and spending like from, you know, getting dropped off there after school and staying there till 10 at night as kind of an escape from, yeah. and not that my home light, you know, my mom did the best she could, but she was working, you know, two, three jobs just to try to keep food on the table and keep us with nice basketball shoes and all that kind of thing. So she wasn't even around. So it was nice to be, have a place to go. And you were the same way. It was an escape. Very much so. It, it became our identity. And that's what's interesting now, looking as we approach 50 years old. No, stop. And we're looking yeah. back. <laughs> and we're looking back on our lives. You see these. Um, you see the things in your life that were, were good and healthy. And you're so thankful for. But then you also start to see that, oh, I developed an identity of being a basketball player. Mm -hmm. And and then what do you do when life 
starts to throw you some curveballs and you're no longer um, relying on that identity of being a basketball player right. or you know you're you're not in that next game you're not performing and that's that's been something i've had to wrestle with because all of a sudden i realize i look back on my life and say whoa wait a minute i've been in that performing role my whole life and i've been using basketball and then you start to use work and then you you become this image of 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 who is eric Mm -hmm. you know who's chad who's eric and your story has helped me and i think a lot of other people start to identify with let's just be real let's be real people and take down these um masks we wear these these games we play to to really be honest about it because when you get stuck in that performance trap it's you know it's not a bottle, but I, you know, you think about my dad's addiction to alcohol and it's like, okay, I didn't choose to go the alcohol route, but I definitely see how I, I used a coping mechanism of performing and work and achievement. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just, it, it drove you. And then you start to realize, are my relationships have any depth to them at all? Right. Or am, am I just, am I just you know, continuing to be driven by performing. And so that's kind of what, you know, just, and just reflecting on our stories, reflecting on the timelines of the journey and and how over time we start to unpack our lives a little bit more. And that's what you've been doing with this podcast, which has been, again, so encouraging. Well, and to give people uh, that have no clue, you know, who Eric Klein is, like, um, let me give a backdrop. So when we were talking about you making the varsity basketball team as a freshman and you guys win the state championship as a freshman, and you were a big part of that. And this is huge in South Dakota. So now you go to a sophomore and now you have this, this image. It's already, it's, it's been, the ball has started rolling and the momentum has started going. Eric Klein, number 42 of the Aberdeen Central Golden Eagles. And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger because of the fact that you were the man, you know, the player of the year in South Dakota three years in a row, all state three years in a row, Mr. Basketball senior year. So all of that started this whole performance thing and this whole image thing and this whole, I have to live up to this. This is, and it became as awesome as it is and the accolades and the people looking at you and the people, you know, and this is before again, Twitter and Facebook and, but you were getting fan mail and you were getting letters from all over the country to go play college basketball and you stayed home. And then you continued this basketball journey in Aberdeen, the same place you played high school at, at Northern State University and blew it up there. All time leading scorer in college basketball history of South Dakota. And people that like stats, this guy, and he won't admit it, I've, I've done the math, 539 career three-pointers. That's more than J.J. Redick. That's more than Steph Curry. Look it up. Google it if you want to. You can find it. 500, so, but he won't admit it. I will admit it for him. But we're talking about this image now. Now all of a sudden the basketball is over. 
now what? Then you go on to teaching and you do all that kind of thing. And as you're still doing it as an administrator in schools and stuff, keep talking a little bit about the positives and the negatives of that thing you created. Yeah, that's really a good way to say it is, is this image that was created and that I created. And that's the part that gets scary because when you start to feel the expectation to do it again mm-hmm. and do it again, and, and the gym gets filled up with people who are enjoying coming to watch you play. Mm-hmm. And what does that do to your head? What does it do to your heart? What does it do to your emotions? And you start to realize that I become that image. And then you put your identity and your legitimacy in what you do. And pretty soon you're, you're like a human doer instead of a human being. And, and, and that's the part where, where that my personal growth journey has been is unpacking right now. And I've shared some of those things with you too, about what does that, what am I feeling? What am I experiencing when all of a sudden you're, you start to realize that you're, you've lived in such a driven mode that it's very socially acceptable. I mean, what boss isn't going to say, Hey, work hard. You know, I love that you're mm-hmm. don't go to work so much, you know, right, right, uh, you're, right. you're, you're, you're putting in way too many hours, you know, you know, but I've had to find a balance and I've had to come to some realization through my own brokenness and pain of saying, well, why am I living this way? And what, what fruit is it bringing me? You know, you can get a lot done and you can cross those things off your to-do list, but are you really connecting with yourself? Are you connecting with God? Are you connecting with others? And that's mm-hmm. the beauty of life is when we can connect with God, ourselves and others and have meaningful relationships and, and being, a hu- being a human being, embracing our humanness, the good, the bad, and the ugly, instead of feeling like you've got to be on for that next performance and that can look like a lot of things because all of a sudden you get married and you're working hard at your marriage and you're working hard at raising your kids and you're working hard at going to um, getting you know getting school done and then you start selling real estate and you're you're coaching and then you go on to get further education you see it just where does it end and and where do you find that place of serenity with God yourself and others when you've got this image that's been there and that's it's been a good place to get to. And, and I'm thankful that um, I've been able to share some of that with you because mm-hmm. we need each other. We need people, uh, you know, whoever they are in our lives that we can just say, here's what I've got going right now. And, and, it, and it's listened to without this judgmental lens like, oh, well, or, or well, you should do A, B, and C, and then, then you'll have it figured out. It's just like, no, let's, you know, can someone just listen? Uh, because when you've lived in a performance mentality for so long, it's scary to start sharing yourself with others because this image, you know, and, 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 you know, it's, it's been good to start getting unpacked because as I said, I I want to be more of a human being instead of a human doer. Well, and that comes with also being vulnerable because and I'm saying this with air quotes, like, God forbid Eric Klein have any weaknesses. God forbid yeah. Eric Klein show any kinks in his armor. 
And that's, again, something intentionally or unintentionally that's been developed because of your quote-unquote performance. And so how do you even tell somebody that, man, I'm feeling kind of insecure about this, or, man, uh, me and my wife aren't really getting along that well right now, or, man, my, you know, name it. Anything can happen that that makes you like question your whole being, and but you don't want to share it with anybody because how are they going to think now? What are they going to say? Because I'm Eric Klein, and it's good for me to see you. You know, you tell me you unpack stuff to me, insecurities and failures and stuff like that. So it's good for me to see you do it. Um, For me, it's kind of that's one big difference between you and me, which makes us work is that I kind of just vomit stuff out of the mouth. I'm not, I'm pretty open when it comes to stuff and I'm not trying to like put on a show or try, I'll, I'll share my failures. I'll share whatever. But, uh, with you, it's been a little bit harder because you've had to protect this image that has been created around you. That's really a good point. And, and it, and it isn't something that I don't feel people did to me it's what you do to yourself Mm -hmm. and and especially growing up in in a home with addiction there's already a lot of insecurities and codependent tendencies where you you have this inordinate neediness for each other within your home whether it's me taking care of my mom or me feeling like I have to be the parent sometimes and you, your childhood gets, you know, beat up in a lot of different ways. And so you, you know, there's a lot of different things that happen when people walk through trauma or brokenness. And, and one of those things is people develop a false sense of responsibility or excessive burden bearing and and you become codependent and you start to realize that you think you're the source and it's really scary because it's it's idolatry it's it's just like it's like you think you have to do it and it's like well who said you know but it it, and it's very shame-based and it's very rooted in you have to protect that image because what if what if somebody really knew who i was what if somebody saw that i i'm hurting i'm scared i'm afraid i i don't know what's going to happen next and and but yet when you start to embrace your humanness all of a sudden those those house of cards starts to fall down and you realize that it's okay it's mm-hmm. okay and very healthy to be vulnerable and healthy to share with safe people um your struggles and trials, and then you help carry each other's burdens, which I feel thankful for that you and I can, can do that. I remember, and this goes back to the whole, excuse me, the whole working hard mentality and performing mentality. And with you, not only were you the most talented player, let's say on the team, you also outworked everybody, which was a pain in the ass because, excuse my language, but I remember there was times in practice and we're just maybe just got done running some wind sprints or whatever and practice is almost over and that's when you kind of end it with some crushers or whatever you call them. And then it's time to like pick up basketballs or whatever and there's Eric 
the, the player of the year of South Dakota running to go pick up basketballs. And we're looking at him like, you, Jesus, just go and take a shower. Just because then we're, then it's like, oh, here we, now I got to go do it because if he's doing it, I can't just let him. So it's that whole, and I think about those moments now, and that's exactly what it was. It's like this. And again, I'm not trying to say it's a bad thing. It was a great thing. I mean, you, your work ethic was amazing, but it, it came at a cost at times because like we were talking about the other day, we be, can become a slave of our habits. And I was bringing that up to you the other day, even like with working out, let's say like me working out in the morning. And if I don't, how it makes me feel. And it's like, I don't need to feel that way. Like, and I'm going on 50 years old. I don't need to be up at four 30 in the morning. I can, I, I've earned a couple days off here and there but I still have that little voice in my head saying, no, you got to do it. You got, which is a good thing. Again, I'm not saying it's not, but it, it can be kind of crippling sometimes where you have to like talk yourself out of it or the guilt you feel when you don't do it. Like even, like I said, shaving my head, I'm in such a routine of my routine in the morning. You get up, shave and then not shave for one morning. It was like, I told you that when, I, we, when we messaged each other. I was like, man, I was struggling with that this morning, not shaving. Yeah. How stupid is that? Yeah. Yeah, it is that drivenness, and, and it can be rooted in, in that guilt and shame. Once you start unpacking your story and going deeper within, why am I feeling this way? What's happening in my emotions? And start honoring your emotions and start sitting with your emotions and sitting with that anxious feeling or that, that, and, and, and honoring it to say, this is, this is what's happening. And, and then working through it instead of masking it through another task, another responsibility, another thing that you have to do. So you're right. I am very thankful for all that's un, 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 unraveled through hard work and discipline and all of that. You talk about it all the time without discipline, without that, you know, ignoring that, oh, I'm just going to sit around today and not be disciplined. We have to be disciplined. But there's another side of hyper vigilance that gets to be obsessive compulsive. <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. the part where we have to stay in that place of balance. And that's the part where I feel like as as I'm unpacking the journey of life, I'm getting better at it. Just being aware of it is the first step, but then starting to realize, even coming to see you and Kenyatta in Hawaii, it took me a while to feel like I could just be and be mm -hmm. present and be there and not feel like, well, what's happening at work or what's, you know, it's that hypervigilance. And, you know, if anyone's out there, listening that can relate to that you know that's great i hope it helps um because it is not it, it's like you become a slave to your um the image or the tasks or the performing and and that slavery has to go it has to, you know it, it's just not a healthy way to live it's it's um again quite socially acceptable because you oh, can you can get a lot done and you can really um, accomplish a lot from the world's perspective, but what's happening to the inside, what's happening to the heart, what's happening to the emotions. And, and that's, that's where I've become more focused on 
in, in this part in season of my life anyway. Well, I remember even when you were here to visit and we were, you were joining me downstairs in the garage for our workout. So it felt like we were back at the YMCA and doing our little thing. But I remember there was one morning you were just like, no, I'm good. I'm not going <laughs> to. And it was awesome to hear because that, that showed me like, yeah, he's on vacation. He doesn't need to be sit here doing pull-ups and push-ups and burpees with me in the in the garage. Go enjoy your time upstairs and have fun on your vacation. And you just straight up said no. So, and normally you wouldn't have done that. You would have just, uh, yep, I got to work out because Chad's working out. Or I I would have done the same thing. So it's like it was cool to see you. No, I'm good. I'm just gonna stay up here and chill out and watch, look at the ocean or whatever the heck you want to do. You know. I was reminded of, uh, we were talking about the ninth grade year winning the state championship and then the 10th grade year and talking about this drivenness and, and how it messes with you and this image and the sophomore year, we, we started the year not very well. I think we were zero and six to start the year. If my memory's correct, I, I, I could be wrong, but bottom line was. We didn't start the year great. I started the year terrible. And if when you start putting your well, just wait self- though. Wait, 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 wait. When you say you started the year terrible, what does that what does that mean? Because I'm not. I'm uh, trying to remember. Like, okay, because for me, I was not performing well enough. My shots weren't going in. Uh-huh. My shooting percentage wasn't what it should be. I had these goals that I wanted to accomplish, yeah. and 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 the game became a job instead of something fun. And mm-hmm. I remember traveling home after playing a team called Watertown and, and I was very kind of had come to a breaking point, almost like felt like I, I wanted to quit. And I remember praying to saying, God, you got to help me. Cause I, I don't, it would, it almost felt like in a way, a nervous breakdown because you just couldn't keep up. It's like this performance drivenness to perform was just riddling me. And, mm-hmm. and, the next day I got up in the morning and my dad had showed me the newspaper of a kid that had been diagnosed with cancer and he was nine years old. And in the story, as it unfolded, his goal was to be a golden Eagles basketball player. Mm, and, it, and, it was, and it was, as if God just answered my prayer and like, just a lightning bolt was like, Eric, you have been ungrateful. You've you've not enjoyed this gift of basketball. And here this kid would love to be able to put that uniform on and you get to put it on every weekend. And it was like something changed in my being where I'm like, yeah, this is so much more than performing, so much more than stats, so much more than breaking records and winning championships. This is a gift. This day is a gift. This Mm -hmm. game is a gift. And so I went and met Travis and, and we got to know each other and became friends. And I, I said, I'm dedicating my season to you. He was, he was only supposed to live about six weeks and he ended up living the whole season. Mm -hmm. And we ended up going back to the state championship, playing Rapid City Stevens. Eric Piatkowski was a senior. And I get a chance to shoot a last second three pointer mm-hmm. to back to back state championships. And I got a great screen. I, I went out to the wing and I took the shot and it felt good and it rimmed in and out and, and we lost the game. 
And I remember the teammates coming around and saying, you know, good job, it's all right. And, um, but I think about having a chance to shoot a shot to win a state championship back to back, missing that shot, knowing that had I not met this little boy who was nine years old, who was diagnosed with cancer, whose goal was to wear the Golden Eagles jersey. I mean, his life changed my life because it just gave me a wake up call. It was like, get your head out of your butt and start Mm -hmm. looking at the good things in your life, the good things in your day, all there is to be thankful for. And it really helped me for, and it still helps me today because it's like, there's so much to be thankful for gratitude and awe and wonder of each day we get to live, even though there's cruddy stuff that happens and we're working on stuff, it's still a good day and there's still much to be thankful for. Anyway, Travis ended up passing away the semifinal night of that state tournament. My dad didn't tell me, told me after the state tournament was over that he had passed away. And what a legacy of a little nine-year-old boy who, you know, had a dream to be a, a basketball player that we got to do all the time. And it was just a a beautiful story, a tribute to Travis Peters, a shout out to Travis Peters, mm-hmm. rest in peace. His his little life has continues to change my life. Well, it should, ooh, I hear the dog and it's not solo. Yeah, that's Lucy. I hear Lucy, you, Lucy. Dog. No, but you uh, must hear the UPS man. That's all right. Um, no, but I remember that now that you brought that up and that. I mean, we all need those wake up calls like and sometimes we get them in from other people, other things, other situations, but it's like for you, you were in a little rut because you weren't, your field goal percentage wasn't good enough or you didn't, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, how, how dare us? How, I mean, how's that's right. It's like, and I get it. You know, you get, like you said, you come off a state championship your freshman year and now you have all these expectations, not only as a team, but as an individual, because now you're coming into your own and, what's this kid going to do now for an encore? And so you put this extra pressure on yourself and you're not living up to it at the moment. And all it takes is a little something. And Travis gave it to you on that for that instance was like, shut up, man. It's not that big of a deal. And then look what happened by the end of the year. We're playing in the state championship and you missed a shot. Oh, that was a great screen. Didn't Bosma give you that screen? A little butt screen. I remember that. Right on the corner there. They're trying. Yep. I still, and I didn't, I don't, I, and I was on the bench. I wasn't playing, but I was on the team by that time. But I was a soft, we were both sophomores. And I remember that vividly. We're at the Rushmore, you know, what do they call that again? The Rushmore Civic Center? Or no, the yep. Rushmore Plot, whatever yep. it was. And seeing that unfold, it was just like slow motion. And I remember I probably have to watch it again. I don't know where where you'd find it, but it seemed like it took forever just to have that last play happen because you're all lined up and then they're trying to make sure everyone's in the right position and not pushing each other too much and not trying to gain it unfair advantage. And all of a sudden that shot happened and I was like, just watching it. That's good. It's going to go in. It's going to go in. It doesn't go in. But you know what? It doesn't define you. That's it. That's it. And that's, that's the part where when you think about all the things we get to do in life, what does define us? And, you know, to think about 
finding peace with yourself and with God and other people is just huge. And, and finding what you enjoy. You've had some podcasts about that where you, where you, what, what do you like to do? What do you enjoy doing? What, what do you think about motivates when you get up every day and then doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's the part where what's the motive, you know, is your motive to keep living up to this image or is your motive to serve and be kind and, and share life with other people and share life's experiences with them. And that's the hope. And that kind of reminds me too of, I'm not trying to make this about me, but it, it, it parallels like when I was coaching basketball in Minnesota and I would always go to the gym by myself, like in the mornings, just cause that was me. That was what we did. Even you can relate. And I'd had the keys to the gym. I'm the head basketball coach. Why not? So I would just go to the gym in the mornings before school would start and shoot and work out. And the next thing you know, my players started coming. I never made them. I just like, what are you doing, coach? Why are you there so early? I don't know. This is just what I do. Yeah, but you, why are you doing it? I love doing it. I've I've always been a gym rat. I'm going to continue to be a gym rat. But my point is this, is that, it's it's spread to my players, not because, again, I didn't make them do it, but they realize that there could be some value in this. Oh, maybe I can get up a little bit earlier in the morning, have a little bit extra discipline. If coach is doing it, why can't I do it? And the next thing you know, by six years goes by, because I was there for six years, open gym was a thing. Like junior high kids, high school kids, boys, girls, kids that weren't even basketball players. It just became teachers would come to work out. They start a workout regimen. So again, when we're talking about discipline and doing little things like that, I'm not saying they're a bad thing. Eric's not saying they're a bad thing, but just don't let them like cripple you to a point where you, you become a slave to them. But when you share that love and people know you love something, it's, it can become contagious. And with us, that's what it was. It was contagious for both of us. No doubt about it. And, and it was what we did because of the camaraderie that it brought us and the peace that it brought us and the, the good feelings that it brought us as far as what it meant to do hard things and to push your body beyond its limit and to be mentally strong and mentally tough. And, and I've, I've said this before that there's no doubt in my mind the different seasons of my life where I've gone through where there's pain and suffering requiring discipline. There's no doubt that our beginning was built into us the capacity to finish and the capacity to get up one more time. And 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 I give thanks for that because without community without people in our lives that help us um it it just makes a world of difference and you talked about earlier when we're talking about getting up early and going to the y in the mornings and you would when you got your driver's license and you had that blue vega you would pick me up at i'm just reiterating in case in case people didn't hear or understand you would pick this is when we're in high school sophomore all the way from sophomore year until we are seniors, every day, and I'm not talking during the 
off season. This is during the season, off season, every day of the school year. You would come and pick me up in that car. We'd jump in it. We'd go to the YMCA. It, I don't even remember what time it was. It was five in the morning, whenever it opened. And we would get our workout in. We'd lift weights. And then we'd do our little shooting drills that we'd have. And it was regimented. And it was daily, unmitigated discipline. And it, 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 it served me. It serves me to this day. And it wasn't, no one was making us do it. We did it because we wanted to. And we probably would have done it if we were terrible at basketball. I think we would have just found something to do it for. Yeah, it's one of the things I give thanks for often. As you reflect on your life, I often think about what it looks like to be intentional about looking back over your life and just kind of replaying some of the story and finding those anchor points that are like this was so important to me and what happened in our friendship just helped helped us continue to walk through the every day that we do today it's just amazing it's so cool how those that experience is still being lived out today in our day-to-day interactions it's it's really neat oh and it'll continue to live out it's just the it's this is gonna way it's gonna be. And that's uh, right. I think that's probably a good one to end on, brother, because it's getting close to that fifty minute, sixty minute mark of the podcast and I don't want to run out of tape, if you know what yep, I mean. But you know it. do you have any uh final words or anything you want to add before we wrap it up? You know, my final words would be to thank you and just so proud of you, so proud of all you are doing in your life and who you are. It's not about, it's, it's just like you're, you're just a very genuine human being and so proud of you and so thankful for you. Hey, thank you for that. And I say ditto because we've been doing this for going on 40 years now and I appreciate your friendship and your brotherhood and your conversations even to this day. We're still helping each other out and we'll continue to do That's that. That's right. That's all right. right. All right, brother. I'm going to put you on mute, so hold tight while I do this outro and uh, be ready. I'll, I'll be right back with you, all right? Okay. All right. That was Eric Klein, the goat. Oh, and I got Solo barking right now. What are you barking at, buddy? I'm ending it. The goat of South Dakota basketball. And you can Google that 539 three-pointers if you don't believe me. Look it up. Google it. It's there. So, Eric, again, thank you for joining me. And for those of you that are listening, I appreciate it. Make it a great day. I'm out. You never know where you're going if you don't look back. Hold it tight like a fist for it pays the black. You got a relic. Best to keep it true. A ticket to the past, it can bring you to. You got a relic. It come far and few. Remember what you do, it comes back on you. A relic. Best to keep it true. A ticket to the past, it can bring you to. You got a relic.